the people that focus on themselves are typically the most miserable and discontent. And I've seen this happen over and over and over in my life, that the people that are so absorbed with self are the people that at the end of their lives, there's no one around. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Oh, Father, we come before you today, and as we seek you, as we run hard after your glory, Father, I pray just a very simple prayer this morning. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to You and You alone, my Lord, my Rock, and my Redeemer. So Father, as You stir, Holy Spirit, as You move in this place, Lord, will You do something fresh and new today? God, I don't know the struggles that have been brought into this room, but I know this. Life is very difficult. And in the midst of the setbacks and the disappointments and where life seems to unravel by the seams, God, help us to know right now that when we are struggling, that You are ever faithful, O God. In the midst of the storms, the anchor of Jesus Christ will not be moved. And so, Father, will You just stir and grab a hold of us right now? Do something in this place today. Do something in our hearts today, O God, that only You can do. And God, we will be quick to give You all the praise and give You all the glory. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. I take that Bible and turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3 as we are continuing in uh, this study of First Peter. How many of you are enjoying our study in First Peter? Anyone enjoying this? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm learning so much myself. It's amazing. It seems like the teacher often is the one that, that learns the most. And I am learning so much as we dig deep into the Scriptures together. And so here we are today in First Peter chapter 3, looking at two verses, verses 16 and 17 today. And, and the title of the message, as we just continue to go verse by verse, word by word through Scripture, uh, the title of the message simply is this, Victory in the Midst of Slander. Victory in the Midst of Slander. You know, often we don't think about victory and slander going hand in hand, do we? Uh, typically, we think of one being positive and one being negative. But we have to understand this, church, that when God has called you to His Son, Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you've truly given your life to Jesus, your life is no longer your own, you have just surrendered everything to Him, and you say, Jesus, take my life and use it for your glory, what happens in the midst of that is not necessarily that our circumstances get better. Sometimes they actually get worse. But here's the beauty 
The Bible says this, that in all these things, in all of your trials, in all of your disappointments, in all of your fears and worries, in all of the discouragements, in all of these things, the Bible says this for the true believer, we are more than conquerors. It actually means this, that we have hyper victory in the midst of the battles. How many of you believe that today? Well, here's what God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 3, 16 through 17. Peter writes, having a good conscience, why? So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. End quote. I was thinking about Peter this past week, and Peter is an interesting character in Scripture, isn't he? I mean, you think about Peter, and he's like, he was just real docile, real quiet, right? <laughs> Wrong. You know, here, here's Peter, right? He's, he's, he's the one that's the first one out of the boat, the first one to chop off ears, uh, always bold Peter, saying something, doing something. And I understand when I look at Scripture that I see a real metamorphosis of Peter's life. You got to remember that back there in the Gospels, there was a point in time where people approached Peter and they said, hey, um, are, you, are you hitched up to this Jesus guy? Are you connected to this Jesus guy? And Peter's like, wait a minute, I don't know anything about this Jesus guy. And when you see that, you see that Scripture shows us very clearly that in moments of pressure, in moments of weakness, Peter folded. But what happened was the story and the narrative changed. That Peter went from coward to courageous. He went from a coward that I don't know this Jesus, I don't want anything to do with this Jesus, to we're going to obey God rather than man. I'm going to be the one that I'm going to set the tone and, and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to lay everything on the line for, for Christ and His glory. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a life fulfilled, doesn't it? A life given over to Christ. And yet the reality is that when you give your life to Christ, everything is not bonbons and harps and kumbayas. Often, life gets very difficult. And Peter right here in our verses today says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, not if, but when you are slandered for what? For being sold out to Jesus. That's what that really means. Your good behavior in Christ. That they may be put to shame. Have you ever had someone who, who slandered you? What is slander? Do you know what slander is? Slander is simply this, speaking evil of someone that is simply not true. You've got to remember that the enemy only has one card to play. He's only got one in his tool belt. It's called the lie. 
And he loves to distort. He, he loves to get in there and just kind of stoke the fire, doesn't he? And he puts a lot of air on the fire. And that's what happens with those who slander. They're full of hot air, aren't they? You know, I was thinking through that thought and that word slander. And as I began just to marinate on it, that good conscience, and you look there on the screen or in your Bible, it's interesting when you see the slandering that goes on and the conscience. The Bible says this, for those who don't walk in the light, their conscience has been seared, it's been severed. Maybe you have a family member today. A lot of times family dynamics can be a little bumpy, can't they? It's amazing how that works. You got so many different personalities and so many different desires, and I want this and I want that. And when things get ruffled, often that poison begins to rise to the surface, doesn't it? And the Bible says this that for those who, who are not walking in the light, that their conscience has been seared. See, this is very interesting. Look in your Bible or on the screen for just a moment. Let me read this again. Having a good conscience. So Peter's talking to the believer. They're suffering. They're going through trials. And maybe you can identify with that today. Maybe you're going through a trial, a struggle. Uh, Perhaps it's because of Christ. You're standing for Christ at the workplace. You're standing for Christ in your family. And and, and people aren't like shouting amen. And, you know, hey, you're awesome. Uh, They're like saying things against you that aren't true. If that's you here today, I want you to think on this thought. As one person once said, what a person believes is right and how a person decides what is right is often a descriptor of the good conscience. Now, pause for a moment. So we go back to God's Word, don't we? Here at this church, we love God's Word. How many of you love God's Word today? You love God's Word? I love God's Word. I love God's Word. God's Word has set me free. See, I used to be walking in darkness, but there came a moment in my life that when the truth was revealed in my heart and my soul and my mind, that as I gave my life to Christ, that I said, God, I want you. I want to live for you. I want to make a difference for you. I want to live for your word. In a culture of no absolutes, church, we know this, there is one absolute and it's called the word of God. Amen? And the good conscience is something that we see unfolding here, that it's a warning system, if you will. It produces the guilt, a good healthy guilt. If you walk into the bank tomorrow morning and decide to rob it, probably not a good idea, amen? Prayerfully, if that's your decision, before you begin to carry out the act, prayerfully by your good conscience, you will go, this is not a good idea. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm going to get in my car and, and go to McDonald's and not rob it. Amen? We have a conscience. We either make good decisions or we make foolish decisions. And so often what happens is when we're walking in darkness, what we do, unfortunately, is we actually attack the people that are walking in the light. Why? Well, the Bible is very clear. Men love darkness rather than light, lest their evil deeds be exposed. And Peter's saying, look, you've given your life to Jesus. 
Your life is no longer your own. Yes, you're suffering. You've been dispersed. You're on the run. He says, but don't lose heart. And that's my encouragement for you today, church. Don't lose heart. Don't bend in the fight. Don't buckle in the walk. Be a man. Be a woman. Be a student that says, you know what? No matter if none go with me, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to make a difference. That's why our key number one, I want you to write this down in your notes, key number one. Here it is in your notes, key one. Make this personal, by the way. Make this very personal to your own life as you courageously live for Christ. Key number one, as I stand for the truth of God's word with a clear conscience in the midst of cancel culture, may those who slander me, make it personal, fall under heavy conviction as I love them well in the midst of their mistreatment. Let me say that again. It's a long one. Key number one. Here's what Peter, I believe, is trying to say to us today. As I stand for the truth of God's Word, so you see the moral absolute here, God's Word, with a clear conscience in the midst of the cancel culture that goes on around us, may those who slander me fall under heavy conviction as I love them well in the midst of their mistreatment. Did you catch this? I don't know if you caught this. Look on the screen or in your Bible for a moment. Just look at that first part there of verse 16. It says this, when you were slandered, not if, those who revile your good behavior, where church? In Christ. To revile means this, to insult or to mistreat. So for a moment, make it personal. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you're the only believer in your house. And I know people. I know people, even students, that are the only believers in their households. Can you imagine this for a moment? I think we missed this. So if you're a believer here today, you show up here today, you hear the truth of God's Word, we fellowship, we have a good time, we pray together, we sing, and then we leave. We all go back into our, our homes, if you will. We go back into our own arenas. What's going to happen if you step back into a situation here this afternoon that hates God's Word? What are you going to do? Well, what happens if you step into a situation that's just darkness? And maybe this is for you this morning, this verse is for you, that you're going to go back this afternoon and you're going to be insulted and mistreated. Ah, you just got back from church, you fuddy-duddy. You're weak. What's wrong with you? Well, the Bible says this, that when I'm weak, He is strong. So that's why we gather to be refueled, to be strengthened for the battle. For some of you that are going to walk into the battle, not tomorrow morning, Monday at work, but you're going to walk back into the battle this afternoon. And my heart breaks for you. I mean, it breaks for you knowing that you're going to be dealing with that. And that's why I want to try to arm you with as much truth, as much encouragement as we can, that when you step back into that arena, that your your feet are going to be bolted to the floor, so to speak. That you won't bend, buckle, nor break. That you won't waffle. You won't vacillate. But you'll say, you know what? I'm going to be able to be an overcomer in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So think about this, what's the result of those walking in darkness when those who are walking in the light stand firm? Well, there's it says right there in the verse that they may be put to shame. 
It means this, to be ashamed, or literally in the original language, it means this, to fall under heavy conviction. Have you ever did something, said something, thought something, maybe then or later, that you did something, thought something, said something, and whether it was then or later, you just fell under conviction? (laughs) Like, has this ever happened to you where someone, this is amazing how God works, someone who has no idea what's going on in your world, like they're not even connected to you, and they make a comment to you, and it has something to do with the situation, and they're not even connected to the situation, but God said, I'm going to send this dot to your dot to connect the dots, and there's some conviction there. See, in this context, the wicked versus the righteous. And the righteous, as they're living for the Lord, and maybe that's, again, you here today, and you're walking in obedience, and and you're struggling, and you're in pain, and you're hurting, and you're like, God, why are you allowing this to keep happening? I'm serving you. I'm loving you. And I've given my life to you. And why would you, a good God, allow me to be in this situation, in this mess? And my encouragement to you is that God is sovereign, and He allows the pain in our lives for a purpose. Don't waste your pain. Like for this moment, for such a time as this, He can use the pain in your life today. He can use the mistreatment in your life from other people that as you're walking in the light and you're standing for truth and they don't want to be exposed, so they begin to attack you. But you can still love them well. There's just something about when someone is unkind that in the midst of that, you just love them. You just reach out to them, praying for you. Hey, I just want to check in on you, see how you're doing. God can take that act of love, that act of grace, that act of mercy, and, and the people that, that perhaps even hate you. He can change the heart that's hardened. He can change the heart that's stony. He can break the stiff neck. He can crush the brazen forehead. That's what the gospel does, amen? You know how I know that? Because he did that in my life. He took my hard heart and crushed it. He took my stiff neck and broke it. He showed me his grace and his mercy and his favor. And he took me from the darkness to the light. He took off that old man and he put John to death and he brought on the new John, the the new man in Christ. That's what the beauty of the gospel is. The beauty of the gospel is that by the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, he brings dead men and women to life. That's exactly what the gospel does. That's why we love the gospel here, don't we? I know you're probably thinking, well, give me some verses to help me because I got to go back into a house this afternoon that's not Jesus filled. I got to go to work tomorrow. And I got to sit next to that person. You know what I'm talking about? Mm hmm, mm hmm. That person, right? You go sit next to that person who drives you batty. Well, here's some verses that I pray will encourage you. How about Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12, I'm going to give you several verses. Write these down under supporting verses in your notes. Romans chapter 12, I'm going to jump around a bit. Verse 14, here's what it says. Verse 14, 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That's easy to do, isn't it? When people are persecuting you, isn't the natural default to go, hey, dear one, dear brother, dear sister, let me pray blessings on you. I don't know about you, but man, I want to strangle them all in the name of Jesus. Amen? I mean, my default isn't to go, let me bless you. I mean, we're praying imprecatory prayers, aren't we? Come on, Jesus, break out the lightning bolts. <laughs> Throw down, Jesus. That's not good. Shame on me. Bless those. Doesn't mean you're a doormat. Doesn't mean that you just stand around letting people just beat on you. Uh, so often we misconstrue that scripture of turn the other cheek. It, it doesn't mean that you're a doormat, uh, you're a punching bag. It means this, don't seek revenge. So in the midst of mistreatment, maybe you're going through mistreatment right now and insults and persecution, because you got to remember this, church. Please remember this. Here's the deal. When someone's walking in darkness and you're walking in the light, they're actually not offended at you. They're offended at the light that lives inside of you. You don't take it personally. You just go, okay, Lord, just give me more grace and mercy in this because Jesus, I, mean, I know you brought me from darkness to light, and I want to see them brought from darkness to light. And so give me a love for them. Give me just a graciousness. Give me a mercy towards them that, that in the midst of what they're walking in, that isn't you, that's not holy, it's not obedience, it's not righteousness, it's not the things of you that, that I, I wouldn't become that person that wants to strangle them, that I really would have a love like Christ when he's hanging on the cross. And when my sin and your sin, that, that it nailed him to that cross, that he cries out and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, even though when I sin, in, I know exactly what I'm doing. Man, that's a love that's out of this world, isn't it? That's the whole point of the gospel. That's it. That it frees men and women from the allure and the pull of the darkness, and they walk and they step into the light, and their lives are changed forever. Because I know so many people, I walk that road myself, that you're looking for the things of the world to dull the pain and fill the void. And I know this personally. The reality is this that if you're on that hamster wheel, it really is a cul de sac going nowhere. Because you'll never be satisfied. You'll never have it. But with Christ, through Christ, through the blood of the cross and through the empty tomb, here's the beauty of that equation right there, that when Jesus Christ died for you, that he gave his life for you, that he did the unthinkable. He stood in your stead. He stood in your gap. He said, I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. As he parted your Red Sea and your Jordan River, as the veil in the temple was torn in two, we now have a straight shot to the Father. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. 
In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Think about Romans 12, verses 17, 19, and 21. Write these down. Verse 17 of Romans 12. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Wow. Repay no one for evil. Doesn't mean people that aren't held accountable. It's not what that says. There's justice, yes. But we are to repay no one for evil, because verses 19 and 21 unpack it even further. In Romans 12, it says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, God says. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't poison it. Don't lace it. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but what? But overcome evil with church. Good. Wow. But the reality is, you know this, this is not our natural default. It takes a person who's in union to Christ, who's totally surrendered, who's in the Word, who's in fervent prayer, who's in fellowship with other people that are pushing them towards Jesus, to come to this point in your life where the reaction is no longer to throttle the person, the reaction is to feel sorry for the person. Why? Because here's the deal, hurting people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. Broken people break people. We carry around all this baggage in life of the wounds and the hurts. We, we kind of learn instinctively to punch first, don't we? And Jesus says, don't punch. Love. Love. Love and show mercy. Having a good conscience. Not a conscience that's been seared. And those people prayerfully, as they see your good works. Have you ever noticed someone, maybe you can think of someone uh, in your walk with Christ over the years, maybe someone at work or perhaps in your home, but have you seen them be kind in the midst of mistreatment? I mean, just think about that person right now that's coming to your mind's eye. There's, I'm sure, someone in all of our lives that we can think of right now this morning that they've been kind in the midst of mistreatment. And didn't that sear in your mind forever? Why? Because the natural default is to give them a knuckle sandwich, amen? But when you see someone go, wait a minute, I'm not going to take that route. I'm going to follow Scripture. I'm not going to be a punching bag, but I'm going to love them and be kind to them as they are insulting me and mistreating me and saying evil against me. When you do that, that will leave, here it is, that will leave a lasting impression not only in your own mind, but in the audience around you. 
And in the very midst of you doing this, you are now unwittingly unshackling the handcuffs off your own wrists as you are now freed from a prison that you were in that you didn't even realize you were in. Because resentment, bitterness towards those people that are wicked will never bring about godly fruit in our lives. Elizabeth Elliot. Anybody read Elizabeth Elliot? Anyone know Elizabeth Elliot? Got a couple of us here. Okay. So, martyred missionary Jim Elliot. Uh, he goes to a foreign land. They're there a short period of time. Uh, he gets executed on the mission field. She has a choice. Uh, do I pack my bags or is the call the call, regardless if my husband is here or not? And she comes out of that equation going, the call's the call. She stays there, goes on to write amazing books, ministry uh, to so many. And she said this statement that really stirred in my heart. Listen closely here, especially for you. If you're here today and you're dealing with that family member, that coworker, whoever it might be in your world that's mistreating you, that's insulting you, you love Jesus, you're taking a stand lovingly, but you're also taking a beating and they are canceling you in this culture. Here's what she said. To be a follower of the crucified Christ means sooner or later a personal encounter with the cross. And the cross always entails loss. The great symbol of Christianity means sacrifice. And no one who calls himself a Christian can evade this stark fact. Period. End quote. Wow. The cross always entails loss. But the cross always entails gain. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Jesus said you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. And yes, that even includes in those moments of mistreatment by those around us. Verse 17 says it like this, our final verse. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For it's better to suffer, think about this, it's better to suffer for doing good, to endure. Think about this for a moment. Maybe you're enduring today. You're suffering, you're enduring. Could be mental, emotional, physical, spiritual challenges in your life. It's better to suffer for those things, endure those things as we follow Christ. This key number two, I believe, is very simple, but I hopefully believe also that it'll be impactful. And write this down, key number two, under this section. It says this, if I'm going to suffer, I might as well do so as I run hard after Jesus and His glory, period. If I'm going to suffer, I might as well do so as I run hard after Jesus and His glory, my son Caleb made this statement that really caught my eye and ear one day. And he said this, a cross-centered life equals cross-centered days. A cross-centered life. Behind me stands a cross that we made. And there's a reason why that cross is standing here. We want the cross to be the centrality of who we are. 
It's a symbol of God's grace and His mercy, but it's also a symbol of God's wrath, that He pours out His wrath, that someone had to die. The spotless lamb had to die. Jesus Christ had to die to take my punishment. Otherwise, I had to die. And these cross-centered lives are really all about cross-centered days. It's taking up that cross daily. And so many times you are going to suffer while you do good for God. It's just part of how this works. It's frustrating at times. I get this. I know this. I was talking with someone recently and uh, we were talking about you know, the suffering and spiritual warfare and all that goes on in reality, Ephesians 6, 10 and following, and putting on the full armor of God and, and being ready for the battles of life that, that are going to come our way each and every day. And, and I made the comment that you know, I, I got a t-shirt for that. Actually, I got a closet full of t-shirts. Because when you stand for the truth of God's Word, you're going to take a beating. But that doesn't sway us. Why? Because on the front end, you anchor your life in the cement of Jesus Christ. That you literally just sink your boots deep into the blood of Jesus Christ. And no matter what storms come, no matter when the howling of the winds are just battering your sails, you just say, God, this is hard, this is difficult, but, but I'm not going to give in. When you call someone to it, you lead them through it. And if He wants you out of your furnace, He'll take you out. But if He wants to keep you in there, I know this from Scripture, He'll jump in there with you. Amen? Think about these verses to strengthen you in your walk with the Lord this week. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 says it like this, 24 through 25. Now I rejoice, Paul says. Listen to these words. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. Don't you love that? I, I think we miss this. So many times in our sufferings, at least this is for me, maybe you can't identify with this, but for me, when I'm suffering... I typically don't go, God, this is amazing, and can you give me some more? I mean, when I'm suffering, it's like, God, help, get me out of here, right? Here Paul writes, did you catch this in verse 24? Now I, what church? Rejoice in my sufferings. We were talking about joy earlier today, joy, J-O-Y contentment, peace, a tranquil state of the soul, joy, Jesus, others, you, in that order. You guys know this by now, but the gospel, the beauty of it is that the way up is really down. If you want to win in life, it's really about losing your life. You win by losing, you actually live by dying to self. It's counterculture. Culture just says, hey, you know, do whatever you got to do. Go for the gusto. Go partay. Just enjoy life. You got one shot at this. 
the people that focus on themselves are typically the most miserable and discontent, and I've seen this happen over and over and over in my life, that the people that are so absorbed with self are the people that at the end of their lives, there's no one around. Suffering's hard. But what does suffering do, church, to your prayer life typically? What does suffering typically do to your devotional life with your Bible? Isn't it amazing that in the moments of the most struggle and strife, we tend to be the closest to God? We don't default to holiness, but suffering often happens to push us towards holiness, doesn't it? Think about this uh, final text I want to give you from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 5. Listen to this. This is part of your suffering, and again, I don't know your story, I don't know what you're going through, But I know this, that when you read these Scriptures here on the screen or in your Bible in front of you right now, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that something will click, something will illuminate in your mind's eye about the pain you're going through today. And here's what God's Word says. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Here it is. Who comforts us in our affliction, in our suffering, in our trials, so that, here's the why, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in the comfort too. Wow. Have you thought about this today? So right now I want you to picture, let's do a little exercise class. So right now, picture whatever suffering you're going through. I want you to picture it. Just picture the suffering you're dealing with. Got it? Number one, your pain has purpose. Don't waste it. Could be a launching pad, could be a billboard, could be a springboard for amazing things that God's trying to do in your life. But number two, what we just read, you're no longer going to sympathize with people that go through that same struggle. You're now going to empathize. You're going to start leaning in. Instead of when you hear from someone at work, perhaps tomorrow, you know, I'm living for Jesus and man, my family, they just hate me. They've disowned me for the gospel. And when you yourself have went through that, you no longer go, well, that's too bad. You no longer go, we'll pray for you. No, you know what you start doing? You pull up a chair, don't you? And as the tears are flowing down your face, and the tears are flowing down their face, and you're now identifying, you're going, I know the road you're walking, and I don't want you to walk this alone because the enemy wants you to suffer in silence. 
But Jesus wants you to suffer with the community of the believers as you're strengthened, as you're built up in the faith, that this will build that spiritual muscle, that as you go through life, that as more stresses and trials are placed on your spiritual muscle, the muscle gets stronger in the Lord. And prayerfully, you and that other person will now begin to develop a true coin in the fellowship as you minister with your pain into their pain. Who among you is suffering? Who among you has been slandered? Who among you is being reviled? Wade Mullen said it like this, the truth teller is often the victim. The one speaking out will become a threat to the community. The truth tellers are now the ones under investigation. End quote. See, when the culture of an organization, a family, etc., has been toxic for years, and when someone has the courage in that family, perhaps, to speak the truth and speak it in love, all the toxins kind of rise to the surface, don't they? It's kind of like a pimple. Has ever had a pimple before? You know, a pimple, you get that infection under the skin, don't you? And it rises to the surface. And then once you release that pressure, now that healing begins. It's like an infection. See, that's what Peter is getting at here. He's saying, look, you're, you're suffering, you're struggling there's poison all around you and there's people that are saying things about you that simply aren't true. He says, don't focus on what's being said. He says, focus on the gospel. And that's what the appeal is this morning. Just keep dialed into the gospel. In that family dynamic, that stressful situation, your family could be a son, a daughter, it might be a parent, it might be a spouse that you're struggling with today. There's light and darkness that are colliding. It's oil and water. My encouragement to you is, Stay rooted in the Scriptures. Love them well. Be a person of grace and mercy. Live a life of hope that as they see your good works, they will go, prayerfully at some point, they'll go, man, I want what you have. It reminds me of that movie War Room. You guys ever see that movie War Room? Anybody see that movie War Room? A couple of us? The rest of you, go out and see it this afternoon, all right? They probably have it on DVD somewhere. They still have DVDs? I don't know. Anyway, War Room. Amazing movie. Story goes like this. Husband, dad, living a double life. Wife comes on the scene. Wife's like, I need a mentor. I need someone that will pour into me. Finds an elderly lady who pours in and her potent power is prayer. And she's got a closet called her prayer closet. And she goes in there and she does war in the prayer closet. And she teaches younger lady how to do this in the prayer closet and to plead and to pound on the door of heaven for husband who's wayward. And so she starts doing this. She just starts loving husband. Husband's unkind, mean, doing stuff behind her back. And she just blesses his socks off. At one point, he's like, what's going on with you? Why is it that when I mistreat you, you actually are nice to me? And it begins a catalyst through the story as the dominoes begin to fall. 
of the grace and mercy of God, of Him pulling from darkness into light and truly surrendering his life to Jesus. You say, well, that's just a movie. That's impossible, preacher. Hey, I know this. I know this from God's word, that all things are possible with my God. I believe God can do the impossible. That's what spiritual rebirth is all about. It's an impossible task. It's only by his grace and mercy that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As you surrender your life today to Jesus, just not one of those deals where, you know, you're kind of out there and it's an external faith. I'm talking an internal faith that Christ really is your Lord in the midst of your slander, in the midst of your persecution. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen, church? Well, here's the deal. Someone once said that truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. But Augustine summed it up so well when he said it's better to be persecuted for having said the truth than to be favored for having flattered. Amen? Oh, Father, we come before You today. And Lord, as we think on Your truth, as we think on Your Word, as we think on the glorious riches of the Gospel, oh, Father, I just pray, will You speak a word into our lives today? May we hear You clearly. Lord, I don't know what people are going through in the room today, but I know this, that your grace is greater than their pain. And Lord, in just a moment, we're going to open the altar and perhaps you want to step out and, and pray. Maybe you want to have someone pray over you. Maybe life right now, it's just so hard. And the enemy goes, suffer in silence, suffer in silence. And if the Bible says, join the fellowship of believers. Carry one another's burdens. Help one another. Care for one another. Love one another. Oh, Father, I pray. As you minister during this time, may we hear you clearly. May we obey you boldly. And right now, Holy Spirit, speak into our lives. Help us to do whatever you want us to do right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.